Many in the Detroit music community are mourning the passing of Russ Gibb today. Gibb, best known as the owner of the Grandy Ballroom, the epicenter of Detroit's counterculture music scene in the late 60s, was also a beloved music teacher at Dearborn High. Country Shift's Amanda LeClaire spoke with poet and author M.E. Liebler this morning. Uh, M.L. Liebler, rather. Uh, that was this morning about how only Detroit could create a unique character like Russ Gibb. It's true, I was with a lot of people last night who, of course, knew him, John Sinclair and, you know, the Detroit Artist Workshop and Andre Kudrescu's in town and so forth. And and they, you know, they knew him. And, and while I was, you know, I didn't get word until this reading was over at Third Man last night and then I got a news flash on my watch. But um, I was watching them and I thought, only this could happen in Detroit, these people, you know. And Russ Gibb, yes, uh, there's, he's from here, he's, you know, born and raised, and he, uh, you know, he brought an idea, he went out to the West Coast, I mean, you may know all this story, so I don't know, but he went out to the West Coast in, in, in the mid-60s and saw the Fillmore, you know, Bill Graham's Fillmore, and that gave him an idea to come back to Detroit and start to look for a, you know, ballroom like that where he could start more or less a Fillmore in Detroit. And so it, it just is, you know, he happened to be in San Francisco. He happened to see that. And then he came home and put the Detroit spin on it. And uh, the rest is, you know, really history as it, as it goes. What do you think that is? Like, where, where do you think his, his passion for the counterculture and rock music came from? Well, you know, I think, I mean, remember talking to him, he used to, you know, uh, talk and come to classes and stuff like that when he was a little bit more mobile. But um, he used to, even before that, he started doing like what we used to call in high school sock hops. And, um, and so he was, de- which is DJing, you know, playing 45s at dances at high schools and stuff. And he would do, he was a teacher. So he would, he wouldn't do it at his school, I don't think, but he would, you know, make a little side money doing that. So he was already in touch with the music. And uh, when he saw this in the mid sixties in San Francisco, he thought, uh, you know, since I, I'm already kind of DJing, let's go to, this looks like live music is going to happen. And of course the whole sixties exploded, but uh, it, you know, it's just such an amazing place and a time uh, you know, to, for him to do that. I think he remembered the Grandy Ballroom is where his parents used to dance or something like that. So he, he kind of had an idea of a ballroom when he first saw the Fillmore and, and explored it and it was available or he rented it or whatever he had to do at that time. Now, as all the different incarnations of his his career happened, um, being a a radio DJ, owning the Grandy, then becoming a a teacher again in in Dearborn, Mm -hmm. um, what do you think is his lasting impact on on Detroit and and on on music here and everything? Well, you know, I mean, the way that he introduced the whole 60s music scene, I was talking to someone last night, and, you know, what younger people don't realize so much anymore, and and, and why would they? But back when music, the kind of music that you often play on your radio station and and other places play, like Cream and uh, Traffic and, you know, all those groups, Procol Harum and so forth, well, back in those days, there were bands like that didn't play Cobo Hall or they didn't play 
big venues. They played these, you know, ballroom-style places across America. Russ started the Grandy, and then eventually there was the Aragon. I think it's still there in Chicago, and then there was one in Cleveland. And they started popping in the Boston Tea Party in Boston, and then the Fillmore East in New York, and on and on. So that became the only venue for these bands to really play at. As, of course, anything else, as that became more lucrative, um, they started to, uh, you know, the bigger arenas then wanted them and so forth. So that took place. But before that, there was only places like the Grandy. And, you know, one of the things that comes to mind is just to give you an example, because I think they're coming to town in a couple of weeks. I mean, in a way, the Who credit the Grandy and, and Russ Gibb for saving their career. And again, it's a unique Detroit story because they were on tour, something people might not remember uh, or know about. They were on tour. They had been part of the British explosion, you know, with the Beatles and the Stones and the Zombies and all that stuff. And the Who were another band like that. But when the 60s started to happen and things became more political and revolutionary and all that, they were still looked at as sort of what might be looked at as a teeny bopper band from the British explosion at the time. And they were just about to throw it in. They had toured America. They even played Southfield High School, you know, the gym there. Um, and they were about to throw it in. And the last stop on the tour uh, was the Grandy. And they went in and received such a warm welcome and embrace from the Detroit audience. It really saved their career because they were like, we're going home. We're done with this. You know, we're, we're not the band people think we are now and so forth. In fact, Russ hired their road manager to manage the Grandy. So that guy ended up staying here after that and uh, managing the Grandy for the, all those years that it was open. No kidding. Well, I didn't know that story at all. Mm-hmm. Well, and they debuted Tommy here because of that. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, they, they, and they came to the Grandy, and, and uh, as it's recounted, they said, we're going to play this rock opera. And at first, people were kind of grumbling, like, rock opera, what, you know, what is that? And then they played Tommy, and there's a little bit of rare tape out there where they're doing it, and people are just going bonkers for it. So that is another part of Detroit. And I just think, you know, Russ Gibbs, a working-class guy from Dearborn, who grew up, became a teacher, had a passion for music, and, um, and, and he stayed a teacher. I don't think he left, unless you know otherwise. I don't think he left that. I got to know him, um, you know, a lot through his teaching at Dearborn because he ran a, you know, first-rate television production film kind of program there and bought all the equipment, probably with money from, that he made off the Grandy and stuff. And he was a great, he was much loved. I mean, I still will bump into former students of his. Of course, we're all old now, but, uh, you know, they still talk favorably of him and all that he did for their careers and stuff like that. You heard author M.L. Liebler talking about the passing of Russ Gibb, who started the famous music venue, the Grandy Ballroom, spent decades as a beloved teacher at Dearborn High School as well. He passed away yesterday. He was 87. 